At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our Christmas message series, Eyewitness, finding your Christmas story in theirs, where you're invited to find your story in the extraordinary experiences of the men and women who witnessed the very first Christmas. Together, we'll see that no matter who we are, the coming of the Christ was for us. Welcome again. Uh, we're thankful that you're here. If this is your first Sunday, hopefully um, you are already kind of blown away by what God is doing in and amongst this people here at this church. Uh, these baptism services are really unique and they are very, very special because really for all of you, um, you're going to hear three or four sermons this morning. Because you hear in the life of people who are baptized, you hear the story of what God has done in their hearts. You hear the story of what happens in the life of a child um, and their um, simple faith, their innocent faith in Jesus. You hear the story of an adult who um, really comes to a realization after so many years of their need for Jesus, of their need to truly place him, not just as the savior of their life, but as the Lord of their life. In these testimonies, we intentionally have everyone read their testimonies before they're baptized because you are able to connect with them in a way that maybe you're not able to connect with whoever is here presenting God's word to you. You know, whether you're conscious of it or not, uh, anytime somebody uses the word pastor or preacher, Maybe there's this thought in your mind, well, you're supposed to talk this way. You're supposed to say things this way. You're supposed to be that way. Like, that's your job. Like, that's the way you're supposed to be. And I get that. That's totally fine. But when it's somebody who is not a paid staff person, when it's somebody who's not a pastor, and they share the story of God at work in their life, our hope and our desire is that you would connect with them and that their story would resonate in your story. And that's the beautiful thing that we get to be a part of. That each of you have a unique story. Each of you have a unique thing that God is trying to do and has done in your life. And the question is, how are you telling your story? How are you showing people your story? And what ways and what methods and what opportunities do you have in front of you to be able to show people who Jesus is based off of what he has done in your life. And so I'm just grateful for this morning. I love the way that God orchestrates our services, the way he orchestrates the timing of everything. Because the last few Sundays, we've been looking specifically at all of the individuals who were present at the beginning of Christmas, the very first Christmas, all those individuals who were there. And today, we're going to look at another group. We're going to look at the shepherds. And we're going to hear from them. We're going to see their story and how God revealed himself to them, how God made things known to them, and then ultimately how they then go and they share that same story all around. And so I hope that this morning the desire is that you would hear about and think about the shepherds perhaps in a different way, that you would recognize that what they see, what they experience, what they we're instructed to go and do is the same thing that you and I get to do today. It's the same thing that we're called to do today. 
And so, but before we jump into that, let's take a few moments and let's kind of think about shepherds in general, okay? Let's think about shepherds in general. I was trying to think through what kind of visual illustration could I do? Could I get somebody to bring some sheep up here and we can just have a bunch of sheep in a pen over here? That'd be really fun, right? Um, maybe some of you have been to Christmas programs this last week or so, and you've gotten to see, you know, the shepherds with their really nice ironed outfits on that's all matching, coordinating, and, you know, everybody looks really clean and all that. And I think you guys know this. Shepherds were not necessarily the most, um, uh, what's the word? They're, they weren't the most attractive people, right? They lived the life of just being outside all the time with a bunch of stinky animals, Right? They, that's what they did each day, every day, so long as they were still in that role. To be a shepherd in ancient times and in Jewish culture meant that you lived outside, you tended the herds, and really you were an overlooked individual. You weren't necessarily despised, you weren't necessarily looked down on, you were just kind of ignored because you're a shepherd. You shouldn't even be in the city. You should be outside the city in the fields tending to the flock or the herd. And any time that you did come into the city, it was always for one purpose, to come and sell your animals that you've been taking care of for so long, sell them to be butchered, sell them for whatever, and then go back out into the field and keep doing your job. So shepherds were these, this group of people who, I was trying to think through what's the equivalent. I mean, you can kind of think about it who are those folks in industries today that maybe you overlook? Maybe you take for granted the things that they do, right? There was a really great show a couple years ago, I don't know if it's still on, called Dirty Jobs, right? It's a great show. If you've never watched it, you need to go find Dirty Jobs. But what they do in the show is they highlight the jobs that you and I maybe never really even think about because we take it for granted. Not in necessarily a negative way, but we just don't even, it doesn't even register in our mind that, there has to be somebody every so often that goes and cleans the main sewer lines of a city to make sure that all the stuff that gets flushed into the system gets cleaned out and dealt with. That's a dirty job. It's a job that gets overlooked. It's a job that we don't think about all the time in the front of our mind. That's who these shepherds were. They were overlooked workers. Additionally, these shepherds they didn't necessarily have all the really fancy accoutrements to be able to help them do their role, right? They didn't have side-by-side -side Kubotas. They didn't wear Carhartt vests with like the sheep-lined interior on the vest. Those are really nice, by the way. They didn't have all of these really nice shoes that really kind of protected their feet from corns and uh, bunions and all that. Like they didn't have these little uh, hand warmers that they could put inside their pockets. They didn't have any of these things. They definitely didn't have an F-250 King Ranch Edition that's hunter green on the outside and brown leather on the inside. They didn't have those. Instead, they had their feet, they had whatever rags, whatever kind of clothing that they owned, and they maybe had a staff. And that's about it. Maybe they had a little satchel with some rocks in it and a sling just in case some kind of predator comes at them or comes at their herd. To be a shepherd was not something that was inviting, was not something that people were like, oh man, it'd be really cool, like when I retire one day, I'll just go and be a shepherd or a farmer. That's not, that's not the way that it was. So these shepherds, again, just kind of, maybe if you need to close your, close your eyes or just kind of really think about, picture that shepherd in your mind right now. 
they for sure probably smelled a little bit. They, they for sure had kind of this dirt just kind of built into their skin, right? This is who they were. Any of you ever been camping before? Yeah, we live in Michigan. You should go camping, right? Um, like when you go camping, I don't care. Well, real camping, not staying in a pop-up, an RV, that's glamping. Real camping where you're sleeping in a tent. Maybe you're sleeping outdoors on the ground. Maybe you've got one of those inflatable mattresses. Maybe we'll let that pass. But like there's something different about camping sleep or sleeping while camping. There's well, one person laughed at that, right? There's, there's something different about it, right? Because the moment you wake up, you don't like, you know, leisurely wake up and you're like, oh, what a beautiful night's rest. That was so invigorating. I feel so ready for the day. I'm going to go outside now and my coffee was on auto brew. So I'm just going to, you know, leisurely walk out, grab my cup of coffee, sit by the fire that's still going because, you know, I can just push a button and it turns on and I'm just going to sit in my chair and just kind of take a deep breath and think about the rest of my day right? That's not, that's not camping. Unless you're in an RV or a pop-up and you're a glamper and that's fine. But you wake up and the moment you wake up, what are you thinking about? I got to do this. 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 Why did I bring my children with me? This is not fun with them. Like, you know, you're just constantly on the go. You're just constantly on the go. Again, take that moment, take that feeling and those thoughts and place that in the life of a shepherd. That's who these people were. More likely they were all men. That's who these men were. That's what their life consisted of. And these men, for some reason, got to experience the good news being proclaimed for the very first time in the world. They were the ones that God chose to say, I want to tell you of what's happened this day, go and see. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter two. We're gonna be there in Luke chapter two. Many of you know this story well. Maybe you know this passage well, whether it be from all the many Christmas programs you've already gone to this year or over the course of your life, or you've watched Charlie Brown's Christmas special already, right? You've heard this story before, but we're in Luke chapter two and starting right down there at verse eight. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. They were filled with great fear. Something we have to recognize here is that God chose these overlooked taken for granted individuals to bring about the good news that Jesus had come. And that's kind of our big idea today is that Jesus, the good news of Jesus is for everyone. It's for everyone to experience. It's for everyone to know. It's for everyone to encounter. And these shepherds were the very first ones to hear about this good news that Jesus has been born. And what we see here, it, there in verse 9, angel, an angel of the Lord appeared to shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. 
okay? Again, because we hear this so much, let's, let's pause for a second and maybe kind of uh, dive into it with a little bit more intention. You're shepherd, you're tired, it's the middle of the night. It's not like you were sleeping. They had to kind of stay awake in different shifts in order to make sure that no predators were coming in the middle of the night to attack and kill the herd. So these shepherds are probably exhausted. They're probably tired from the day. Who knows what they're doing? Maybe they're around a campfire, and it's just dark. And then suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared. Let's imagine for a moment, it's probably, I'm making an assumption here, it probably wasn't like, the angel of the Lord just like slowly walking up like, hey, shepherds, I'm the angel of the Lord. I got some good news to share with you, right? I don't think it was necessarily like that. At the same time, I don't know if it was like all of a sudden there was a rumbling in the sky and all of a sudden there was this bright light and all of a sudden this angel came down and he's wearing like gladiator-esque armor and he's got a flaming sword with giant wings that span, you know, 12 feet across. And he's saying, what's up, shepherds? I'm here. Maybe, maybe that's the way it was too. I don't know. All we know is that an angel of the Lord appeared and the glory of God shone around them. Whatever it was, it was something so stark, something so impactful for them that they responded with what? They were filled with great fear. They were filled with great fear. In other places in the scripture, we see uh, fear of the Lord being used often, right? The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, right? Fear the Lord. And oftentimes when we're talking about that with you, when we look at the language, we see that that word fear, it's really trying to convey a reverence, not a, a feeling of being terrified, not a feeling of being just deathly afraid of what it is that you're looking at or beholding. Instead, it's this reverence, like I recognize how powerful and majestic you are, and I am humbled by that, and I am on my knees because I recognize that you are so much bigger than I am. I don't know if the shepherds maybe felt that way in this moment. They probably felt that terrifying fear. What in the world is coming at us right here? What is this? This looks like some angelic being. All of a sudden it was dark and now there's the glory of God, this light shining all around us. What is, what is going on? It's a fear. It's this deep emotion of something that you don't understand and something that you can't comprehend and something that is just kind of overwhelming emotionally, physically. This is what the shepherds are experiencing in this moment. Jump with me uh, down to verse 13. The, the fear probably even escalated a little bit more where it says, and suddenly there with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Not only do you have one angelic being appear to you, now all of a sudden it says that there's a multitude of hosts, of heavenly hosts. When you look at the original language, that word host is kind of always referring to kind of a militaristic group of individuals. So we can kind of imagine that it was not two or three, four or five other angels we're talking like platoon, battalion. We're talking like who knows, but it's a giant display of heavenly beings. 
singing. Shepherds probably sang a lot. What else are you going to do all day while you're standing outside, right? But they were used to being by themselves and alone, maybe thinking a lot to themselves, pondering their life's decisions. Why am I a shepherd? Here they are, the middle of the night. Angel of the Lord has come to them. They're filled with this great fear. And then a moment passes, and now all of a sudden, with that angel of the Lord, comes a multitude of heavenly hosts filling the sky. Do you think the shepherds were a little freaked out? Do you think the shepherds maybe had some uncontrollable emotions of feeling overwhelmed with what it is that they're seeing? Put yourself in that place for a moment when you begin to see the glory of God all around you. How would you respond? I, I don't really know how I would respond. Probably a little bit like the shepherds. A little freaked out and a little overwhelmed with what in the world is about to happen. Why are they here? Why are they around us? Oh my goodness, we were just in the, in the darkness and the starkness of night, and now all of a sudden there's this glory of God shining all around us. What is happening? What is happening? I want to pause for a moment here, and I, I, I just want to encourage you. If you are a follower of Jesus, meaning that you've believed, you've confessed Jesus as Lord, you have surrendered your life to him, you've repented of your sins, and you recognize that he is calling you to pursue this life of holiness, I want to remind you of the very fact that you have seen the glory of God in Jesus. That you, as sinful as you are, as sinful as you were, that Jesus came and revealed himself to you and said, I love you. I know how messy you are. I know all of the decisions that you've made in the past. I know all of the things that you will do in the future. Yet I am choosing to reveal myself to you because I love you. You don't deserve it. You haven't earned this but simply because you're my creation. I want you to see me. I want you to behold me. Keep your finger in Luke chapter two, flip over to Hebrews chapter one. This is a great little passage for you to kind of study over the next uh, few weeks or so. But listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. Hebrews chapter one, starting at verse one. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He, meaning Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited 
is more excellent than theirs. Folks, if if you've had an encounter with Jesus, you've had an encounter and you've beheld the glory of God, how did you respond in that moment? As you continue to pursue and follow after Jesus, in in those moments when you recognize that perhaps you've put, just like uh, Jenny said earlier, maybe you've put Jesus on the back burner. And then you come to that point of realization that that is what you've done. And as you go before Jesus, how is it that you approach him? And how is it that he responds to you? Does he respond to you with criticism? Does he respond to you with, well, I, I know you did that again. You're never going to change. No, he responds to you by saying, I love you. I've been with you. Trust me. Let me fill you. Let me empower you. Let me guide you forward. So we see that the shepherds saw the glory of God. What else did they see in this moment, right? We think that they saw the humility of God. What is it that the angel was talking to them about? Look with me down there in verse 10. The angel of the Lord said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Jump with me down to verse 16 and 17. And the shepherds went with haste and found Mary and Joseph in the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. The humility of God that he would send Jesus in the form of a baby. Notice the wording there, Christ the Lord in verse 11. Christ in the original language simply means the anointed one. The anointed one that had been prophesied for centuries before through the prophets that he would come. And what the Jews were looking for was they were looking for a more triumphal entrance of their returning savior. They were waiting for someone to come in in force and in power and say, I am here to overthrow your oppressors. I am here to elevate you, God's people, the Jews, above everyone else. I am here. I am the Messiah. I am the Savior of the world. We will conquer. We will rule the day. We will be in power. But yet what they got was a completely opposite person. Jesus came as a baby. Babies are super needy. Right? It's okay to laugh at your child and remind them that they're super needy. He was a a baby. He needed the same things that every child needs. Not only did he come as a baby, he was also born in a stable. And again, this is not some like Instagram worthy, like she shed stable with like red and white painted things. And it's like, oh, let's get, you know, whatever. Like, this was a manger. It was a stable. It was something that was a useful tool for all of the animals. 
Most of the ancient cities, they would, uh, if you had enough money to own a home, you would have your stable not off to the side in the back for, or in the back 40. You would have them underneath your house. Why? Because all the heat from the animals would rise up through the rafters and heat your home. And the manure would also heat your home. And that was the first essential oil diffuser that we had in the world. We got a lot of essential oil people in this place. But, that, but that's, that's what life was like. That's what a stable was. It wasn't anything fancy. It wasn't anything like idyllic that you see in people's front yards where it's this beautifully crafted I-beams and all this kind of stuff. No, it was a stall, maybe with some hay down on the ground. And that's where Jesus, the king of the universe, was born. Right? Think about the British royal family and all the recent births that they've had. Right? There's always big pomp and circumstance revolving around that. There's a big fanfare, there's parades, there's bands, there's security galore. Because a royal member has been born, we must pay homage and recognition to their birth. Jesus, the king of the universe, comes into the world. Kind of in anonymity kind of overlooked, kind of in this place of forgottenness. That's how Jesus came in. What a humble way, what a humble beginning, that the king would come as a child, a needy, fussy, I don't know if I can say fussy, a needy child but yet a child who would be without sin and a child who would one day bear your sins and my sins on the cross. The shepherd saw the humility of God that the angel would say, go to this lowly stable, which you guys are probably really familiar with, and there you'll find a baby, a baby wrapped in cloth swaddling clothes in that manger. It's a powerful image, and it's a powerful reminder that Jesus has always been accessible for you. He wasn't born separate in a palace. He wasn't born far away, held in secret, and then all of a sudden revealed Dane Ortland, who is a pastor uh, in Tennessee and is a writer, talked about this accessibility of Jesus and how when we look at his birth in this way, it reminds us that Jesus is and has always been accessible for us. The last thing that we see about the shepherds is that they got to see the good news that peace has come. Look with me there in verse 17. Through 20. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who had heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. 
these shepherds got to see this good news that Christ has come. And then what did they immediately go and do? They went back glorifying, praising God, and telling others what had been done to them, what had been told to them. They shared the great news that the anointed one has returned. Earlier in our service, those folks who were baptized shared with you the good news of what Jesus has done in their hearts. How can you go and share the good news with people in your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, the good news of what Jesus has done in your heart, what he has done in your life? Imagine being there 2,000 plus years ago as an overlooked, humble, and lowly shepherd. And a heavenly host appears. You're overwhelmed with the glory of God that you see around you. And while you think maybe the, the, the news will be as elegant and magnificent as what you're seeing, you're told, hey, go to a stable where you'll find a baby. He is the king of the world. He's the Christ. He's the anointed one. And you go and you see this humble, helpless baby. And you're reminded that it's through this baby that the sins of the world will be forgiven. And it's through this baby that we get to have eternity with God because of what he will do one day on the cross. This Christmas season, when you see the depictions of the shepherds, maybe kind of connect with those images. Are you overlooked? Do you feel overlooked? Are you lowly? Not in a pious way, but are you just down and out right now? Recognize that Jesus appeared to those people. And that the good news about Jesus truly is for everyone. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we sing the songs that we do. It's why we celebrate baptisms. It's why we pray. It's why we serve people in our community. Not just so that other people feel good, but that through us, God might reveal himself to those folks. Why would you drive all the way down to Kentucky and spend a week cleaning up debris and doing all this stuff? I don't know. Because I love you? Because God told me to come? Why would you spend your week in the summer serving at kids camp? Well, because God told me to go and be available for all these kids so that they might hear the good news. Why would God tell you to go up to Oxford and just simply be present and available to families who are still walking through tragedy and pain? It's because God loves you. And God wants to use you, church, so that other people could see his glory, that they could see that he is accessible and available, 
and ultimately to hear the good news that their sins have been forgiven and that they have an opportunity to be with God Almighty for all eternity if they simply believe and confess. That's Christmas, y'all. And that's the reason to celebrate. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this Christmas season. And God, I find myself oftentimes feeling like I don't give it enough attention or focus. That I get too caught up in family traditions or in the overall spirit of things. God, would you remind me, would you remind everyone here of your glory? When we sing songs of Christmas, when we look at lights, when we wake up and see snow everywhere, would our thoughts and our minds turn towards you? Would we behold you? And Father, I pray for everyone here today that if they feel like maybe those shepherds did before your angel appeared to them, where they felt overlooked, where they felt unwanted, maybe unloved, or just very simply kind of looked over by everyone else. God, would you speak directly to that person or those people? And in the sweetest and gentlest of ways, would you remind them that you love them and that you have good news for them? That your son has made a way for them to be at peace and for them to be in hope. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus. And thank you, Jesus, that we get to celebrate you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you as we continue to worship, as we sing this song, maybe it's new to you, maybe it's something that you're familiar with. Think on the words. Turn your attention, your mind, your voice towards heaven. And let's praise Jesus together. Would you stand? Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself today.